Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Well, welcome Facebook family. We're happy you could join us this morning. We're already into our service about 30 minutes. We've had our praise and worship, and now we're getting to the preaching portion of it, and we welcome you here. Uh, we uh, can't put any of the music on because of copyright laws and things of that nature. We have a license to sing them within the church, but we can't broadcast them, so uh, we can't really put any out over the air. I know you, you like when Brother... Daryl or Miss Shannon sing for us. Uh, maybe in the future we can get one song that we know isn't so restricted or copyrighted and we'll sing it before the service. But we're glad you're here with us this morning. We're in a, we have an in-person service, the first one since the COVID-19 outbreak. And it's just the beginning. It's just a start. I'm looking out at an audience with face masks and I don't have to wear one because I'm at least 10 feet away from them, but uh, uh, it's good to be back in the house of the Lord. Amen. But I'd like to talk to you this morning about God's ability and his willingness to deliver us and set us free. God is not only able, but he is willing. Hallelujah. So turn with me to John, the 12th chapter. John chapter 12, we'll read with the 37th verse. And while you're turning there, I'm just going to go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor. We're so, so happy to be back in the house of the Lord once again. We're so happy to be here in person, having an in-person service, Lord. And I know we still have restrictions, but it won't be long. Hallelujah. So we thank you and praise you for everything you've done, you're doing now, and you're about to do. We ask you, God, to anoint us to hear this word, to believe this word, to apply it to our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here to lead us and guide us and to discern the truth and give us revelation knowledge. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Hallelujah. In John, the 12th chapter, 37th verse, I'm going to read in the Amplified Classic Edition. Even though he had done so many miracles, talking about Jesus, before them, right before their eyes, yet they still did not trust in him and failed to believe in him. So that what Isaiah the prophet said was fulfilled. Lord, who has believed our report and our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed or shown or unveiled or revealed? Hallelujah. That's a quotation from Isaiah 53 and 1. The apostle John quoted that passage of scripture in this 12th chapter of his gospel in regards to the miracles and all the wonder, wondrous works that he observed in Jesus' ministry. If we take what John said in the context of the whole chapter, we'll realize that the arm of the Lord, or the power of the Lord, was speaking of salvation because uh, Jesus was talking about being crucified and drawing all men unto him, which is salvation. So salvation is the greatest deliverance that mankind can ever experience. And it took the power of God's mighty arm 
to bring that kind of deliverance and that kind of freedom to us. But it's nothing for the Lord to deliver us from the little demons and the little problems that we're having in our life or whatever it is that has us bound. And one of the greatest bondages today is fear. There's an epidemic of fear that's going on in this society today that's unprecedented. And uh, we, we were talking about some things uh, yesterday, and we watched a video from Pastors Hagen and Lynette in uh, Oklahoma. They've already had an in-person service, and they were discussing some of the things that were going on. And surprisingly, one of the things he said is they were surprised at all of the people that stayed away from church on the first day of opening. And he said a lot of it was because of fear. And he was almost a little bit embarrassed. You could tell the way he was smiling and stuff that, you know, they have a faith shield on the top of their building. They're a faith church, a word church. And yet they had people stay out because of fear. Now, if you have a reason for staying out, that's one thing. But if it's because of fear, you need to get over it. Amen. You need to be delivered from fear. Hallelujah. And it don't mean we get crazy. We still have to be careful. We still have to uh, keep our physical distancing, sanitize our hands, do all the things, uh, the sensible things that the guidelines tell us to do. But above all, we cannot allow fear to dictate to us what we're going to do. Amen. So anyway, Isaiah asked two questions in that passage that John quoted. He, he asked, number one, Lord, who has believed our report and our message? And then the second question was, and to whom has the arm or the power of the Lord been shown or unveiled or revealed? So uh, two questions. Who believed the report, the message? Who believed this gospel message? And then number two, and to whom was the armor, the power of the Lord, revealed? And the answer to that question is right there in the verse. The mighty arm of the Lord is revealed to those who believe the message. Do you believe the message this morning? Then God wants to show you some power. God wants to reveal his power to you. And his power is that he is able and willing to deliver us and set us free from any bondage that the devil could get us into. So I've noticed in the word of God that uh, God's power at times uh, seems to be revealed through his extremities, his arm, his hand, his finger, and I believe his foot. Now, I can't prove that part, but I know Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like a bolt of lightning. Hallelujah. And so <laughs> I'm thinking God just gave him a, a holy boot and booted him out of heaven and that's why he fell like lightning. I mean, you get a boot from God, you're going to move quickly. Amen. So it seems like each one of God's limbs has a different degree of power as well. Peter asked God to stretch forth his hand to heal. So there's power in his hand to heal. That's one form of power. But here's my favorite expression of God's power. Jesus said in Luke 11:20. 20, but if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. And I, and I don't know what you might be struggling with, whether it's an addiction of some type or maybe it's just a, a, a bad habit, a relationship. Maybe it's fear itself. But I'm telling you today that God is able and he is willing to set you free from that thing. Hallelujah. If you can just believe the report that God is able and that he's willing 
to set you free this morning, you can leave here free this morning. Hallelujah. You know, a lot of the people are under, under the impression that if you have sin in your life, then you're going to hell. And as bad as sin is, sin is not what sends you to hell. I'm tired of God's people walking about in condemnation because they think that their sin is too great for God to deliver them from, or they think that they're so bad that they live under condemnation all the time. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you don't have to feel condemned. As a matter of fact, the Bible says there is now therefore no condemnation to those that love Christ Jesus. So we shouldn't walk around condemned. We should walk around understanding the fact that, yes, we need a Savior. We're not perfect, and we're never going to be perfect. And so we need Jesus Christ in our life. But I don't want you being beat over the head all the time, thinking that you're uh, going to go to hell because of the sin that's in your life. There's only one sin that will send you to hell, one thing that will send you to hell, and that is rejecting Jesus Christ. And I know there's a lot of teachings going around that, oh, if you do this, if you do that, if you're a homosexual, if you're a lesbian, if you're uh, addicted to porn, if you're going to go to hell. That's a lie from hell. That don't send you to hell. I mean, if you, if, if you go to hell today, there's going to be people in hell for one reason and one reason only, and that's because they rejected Jesus Christ, their salvation. Amen? Amen. Now, uh, I, you know, I also don't, want to think, want, don't want you to think that you can sin, because like I said Wednesday night, you can't sin with any degree of safety. And I'm not advocating sin. I just don't want you walking around condemned over it all the time. Go to the Lord. Get it under the blood. Get delivered from it. Get set free from it so you can walk free and full of joy again. Hallelujah. You know, sin has its own consequences, and there is a payday. You're going to pay it here in this life as a result of your sin, and you're also going to lose rewards when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ before you go into heaven. So there is a consequence for sin, but hell isn't the consequence for sin. Hell is the consequence for rejecting the truth and rejecting Jesus Christ. I don't think sins will keep you out of heaven, but some of them will get you there a lot sooner. Hallelujah. And I will tell you this about deliverance. I know from personal experience that sometimes it doesn't come too easy. It never comes as easy as we would like it to come. We'd like to say, Lord, set me free from these cigarettes. Set me free from this drinking. Set me free from this or that. And, and sometimes it's instantaneous, and sometimes it's quick deliverance with no effort on your part. But that's rare and far between. Usually you have to take the first step, and then you have to put forth the effort. And God will join up with you when you ask him for help, when you ask him to deliver you. He will join up with you. He will anoint you to get through that thing. And, and I can remember when I quit smoking. Man, it was rough. I said, God, deliver me. Yes. And, and I, I remember it was rough. I, you know, I was chewing gum. First, I got that Nicorette gum. I was chewing that and smoking at the same time. Then I got mints and candy. I was sucking on them. And then finally, I got cinnamon-flavored toothpicks. And I actually got hooked on them. <laughs> I had to be delivered from them when it was all over. But I never smoked again. And it wasn't because of my efforts. It was great that I had enough willpower to, to stay away from. But it was because God anointed me and God set me free. Because, And the reason I know that is because I quit many times before and wound up going right back. And it was twice as hard when I went back. 
This time I didn't go back, and the only difference was the anointing. The only difference was God. Hallelujah. You know, a lot of times we think God's deliverance should come easy and instantaneous, and, and we don't want any effort on our part. But like I said, it's rare. And when it does come like that, we have a tendency to take it for granted because it was so easy. And we usually wind up going back to the same habit because we think God did it once. He'll do it again. But I got news for you. He may do it again, but it ain't going to be as easy as the first time. Amen. We figure since he set us free, he'll do it again. Uh, But the next time you come to God, it's going to be Seven times harder than the first time. Hallelujah. That addiction is going to be stronger than it's ever been. And, and, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 43, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, in other words, God flicked his finger and, and, and cast that devil out like a bug. He, the spirit, walks through dry places seeking rest and finds none. And then verse 44 says, Then he says, I will return to my house, the house he came out of, the house he was flicked out of, cast out of, from where I came. And when he returns, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. In other words, it was just cleaned up and decorated. And so you see, even though God has delivered you, the enemy still claims you as his house. And he'll come back and try to re-enter And the devil plays for keeps, and when he gets somebody bound up with something, he doesn't like to let them go so easy. He put a lot of work and effort to get you bound up into something, and he don't want to cut you loose. Because he knows as long as he keeps you bound up, that you'll be a slave to whatever that addiction or sin is. And as long as you're a slave and addicted to it, he knows it will condemn you, and it will keep you from being bold before God. It will keep you from coming to God, and it will keep you from being all you can be for God. So he don't want you to be loosed. And and so uh, sweeping and decorating is actually a form of self-reform. You know, uh, I, I found out smoking was bad for me, so I quit. Well, praise the Lord. If you got that kind of willpower, I'm happy for you. But not everybody has that kind of willpower. But when you do it in yourself, there's a little bit of pride that goes along with that. And God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And so we're, we're all in ourselves. I quit once, I quit again. Hallelujah. And you wind up starting back because that type of freedom is not lasting freedom. It has to have God's anointing involved in order for it to last, for that deliverance to last. So you have to be washed by the blood, and you have to be cleansed by the word, and it's whom the Son sets free that's free indeed. Amen? Amen? And I mean, like, you got yourself set free from some things, but you're not free indeed because you usually wind up going back because the devil is able to tempt you and get you back into the same thing you got set yourself free from but when God's anointing is involved there's a difference see the devil will try to tempt you right back into it but if you go back to what you've been delivered from then that demon after walking about in dry places seeking rest and finding none will return to what he calls his house and this time he comes with reinforcements amen and he comes back with seven demons More wicked than himself, the Bible says in verse 45, it says, When that demon returns, he brings with him seven other spirits 
more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first state. Seven times worse. So, like I said, he'll try to tempt you back into going uh, to that same thing again, but if you go back with what you've been delivered from, that demon will uh, come with the reinforcements, and it will be harder for you to get delivered a second time. Now, the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 5.1, We have freedom now because Christ made us free. Not because of what you did, not because you had enough willpower to quit, but because Christ has set us free. So stand strong in that freedom. Don't go back into slavery again, because that's what it is. It's a slavery. When you can't get your mind off of something and you're thinking about it constantly and you're constantly doing something you're not supposed to do, you're a slave to that thing. And God wants you free. He don't want us to be in bondage to nothing, no person, no place, no thing, no nothing. When God sets you free, he will enable you to stand because that demon's coming back. He'll enable you to keep the victory because he's coming back with seven more worse than himself. And he's going to find your house swept and garnished like he did the first time. But this time, he's going to find out that the Holy Ghost took up residence in that house. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is in there because he was part of that deliverance. So he's dwelling in you. This is his temple. So now when that evil spirit returns with his seven friends and knocks on your door, the Holy Ghost is going to answer. And don't you know he's going to ruin their day, hallelujah, because they ain't getting in. He ain't sharing this temple with no demon, hallelujah. It's a lasting deliverance. Let's look at an amazing example of God's willingness and ability to set us free and deliver us. In Daniel chapter 3, turn there with me if you have your Bible. We have the account of the three Hebrew men by the names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego. And these three men were thrown into a burning, fiery furnace by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon because they refused to bow to a golden image that he had erected of himself. So let's read in Daniel 3.15. He's talking, the king is talking to, to uh, the three Hebrew boys. Now get ready, and when you hear the sound of the music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. But if you don't worship me, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? In other words, you better dance to the devil's music or else you're going to go into the furnace. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, we don't have to think about this question. We already know the answer. If it be so, if you do throw us in, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will Deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, if you don't throw us in there, a lot of Bible scholars believe if God delivers us or if God doesn't deliver us, then this or that. But that's not what it's saying. Because he wouldn't say, uh, for example, verse 17, if it be so, 
Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. In other words, it can't be talking about if God decides to deliver us because he, he made a positive statement right after that and said, the God we serve is able and will deliver us. So that, that doesn't make sense, but he's talking about if it be so, if you throw us in the furnace. And then he's saying here again, but if not... In other words, not that God won't deliver them. He's saying, if not, if you don't throw us in there, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will still not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace seven times hotter than it was normally heated. So this message is about three Hebrew children, and it's been preached thousands of times by thousands of preachers down through the years. And we've been taught for a long time that that burning fiery furnace was their test or their trial. But it wasn't their test. It wasn't their trial. It was the consequence of the decision that they made. In actuality, the real test was not the furnace. It was when they were asked to bow to an image other than the true one and true God. And you have to understand, uh, the real test was to see if they were bold enough and strong enough to stand up against the king and stand up for their God and refuse to compromise. That was the test. And they had already passed that test long before they were thrown into the furnace. So they just refused to compromise and they refused to dance to the devil's music. And we're living in a time when our faith is being challenged like never before. And we're going to have to stand up for the God that we say that we believe in. And the devil is trying to get us to compromise and bow to his authority when it comes to giving up our freedoms. And he wants us in bondage. Amen. I'll amen myself. Good preaching, Pastor. And right now, the devil is trying to get us to bow to this COVID-19 with a bunch of rules and regulations that will put the church in bondage. And these rules, directive, and so-called laws disguised as guidelines under the new norm, but I'm not bowing. I mean, I'm good with a temporary norm. Like, I'm looking at people with masks on. I can't tell who I'm preaching to and who's listening and who ain't. I can't tell who's amen, and, and, and that's not going to be a new normal for me. Amen. Not being able to hug you and shake your hand and pray for you and lay hands on you and believe God to heal you, that's not going to be a new norm for me. Amen. It's a temporary norm. Amen. But the church is going back to what the Bible says it should be doing. Amen? amen. Philippians 2.10 and 11 tells me that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. I will bow my knee for Jesus Christ and no other. Hallelujah. And you mark my words. We're being tested for that right now. Pastors are being arrested. Salon operators are being put in jail. People's rights are being trampled on all over this country. But just like the three Hebrew children, their test wasn't the jail. Their test was whether or not they would stand up for their beliefs or they would bow to that devil. Hallelujah. 
a bill was recently filed in the Illinois State Senate. Now, I'm not picking on Illinois or Chicago. I'm going to mention them. But this is going on in a lot of states across the country. But I just read this the other day. A bill was filed in the Illinois Senate uh, that aims to make vaccinating their children mandatory. In other words, they won't be able to resist anymore on religious grounds. And the legislation would also do away with most medical exceptions for vaccines. Even if you have a medical ex exception, they're going to vaccinate you anyway. And if you don't get vac vaccinated, you won't be able to attend their public schools. Oh, big loss. You won't be able to go to their schools and receive the junk that they're dishing out and teaching our children today. It ain't no big loss. Teach them at home if you have to. But don't bow to it. The governor of Illinois has hinted in a news briefing that he will keep churches closed for the next year or longer if he so chooses. The mayor of Chicago just announced to those who refuse to follow her stay-at-home orders, who is she? What happened to the Bill of Rights? What happened to the Constitution? She says, we will have to take the next level of enforcement to make sure that we save lives. Don't tell me you're concerned with saving lives when your administration advocated the, the abortion of 69,000 innocent babies last year alone. And you're concerned with lives? Don't tell me about lives. And in the interest of saving lives, she said, we will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. That's a quote from her. And we're releasing rapists, pedophiles, drug dealers, and criminals on every level from our jails and prisons. But they're going to arrest you and put you in jail to take their place because you're just trying to make a living and support your family. You're trying to stand up for your religious rights and religious freedoms. And they're going to put you in jail and release all them perverts and stuff. What kind of logic is that? It don't even make sense to me. And then... She also asks residents to anonymously submit tips of the order breakers to the police. Turning neighbor against neighbor, family against family, turn them into tattletales. I was in the grocery store Friday doing a little shopping, and about every 10 minutes or so, an announcement would come over the PA. This was at uh, Myers. I don't know if it's like that at the other stores, but you would hear this voice. It's a, it was a voice of a female, but she sounded like a, a dictator. She says, maintain social distancing of six feet or more at all times. Wear your mask at all times. Sanitize your hands frequently. And I'm like, yeah, I got a suggestion for you. But I didn't say it. And since, like I said, when has the Bill of Rights been vacated? When, when did we lose our constitutional rights? Do you mean to tell me that the power-hungry craze of a few wackos is going to supersede the Constitution and my Bill of Rights? I don't think so. Now, I will abide by certain guidelines, and I'll be as safe as I can possibly be. But you're not going to trample on my religious freedom. We can't allow that. Hallelujah. 
There's 3,000 churches in California that are still under lockdown, and they said they are opening up, I think it's the end of this month, right, Pastor? 3,000 churches, they're opening up in defiance of what the government is telling them to do. And I praise God for them, and we're praying for them, hallelujah. That's what we need is some Christ-centered, God-fearing churches and pastors to rise up and say, no, we will have church, hallelujah. I know my Facebook audience is in shock right now. They've never seen this side of me, but <laughs> this is a different anointing here when you have people in the sanctuary and hooking up with me. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We better wake up and remember in November. That's all I can say. We also better get back to our story before it's too late. <laughs> the feed might be getting cut right now. I don't <laughs> Daniel was enabled by God to reveal a dream the king had and then interpret it. And all of the king's soothsayers, wise men, magicians, and astrologers tried to do it, but they couldn't. But God anointed Daniel and gave him the vision of the dream, and he told the king what the dream was and what it meant. And he found favor with the king, and as a result, the king promoted Daniel and gave him authority over all those lying, phony, hypocrite devils the kings, soothsayers, the wise men, the magicians, and the astrologers. And then he put Daniel in charge over all of Babylon. And that's when Daniel chose Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to his cabinet and promoted them to replace the devils that lost their jobs for being incompetent and corrupt. Sometime I forget who I'm talking about here, but you fill in the blank. So, so anyway, because of their election, I mean their promotion over all the lying devils, Daniel started draining the swamp. They had it out for Daniel and his staff, and they plotted against them in an attempted coup and falsely accused them of doing things that they didn't do. The lion devils convinced the king to agree to the building of that image of himself and then got him to sign a decree that if anybody refused to bow to that image when the music played, that they would be thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. And, and it was a plot to overthrow Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the uh, existing administration at that time. So, <laughs> because they wanted to regain the power they lost and get their position back with the king and go back to their old jobs of running a corrupt government. Now, I'm talking about back then. The devil knew that the church, I mean, the three Hebrew boys would never bow, and that's how he was going to get rid of them. Amen. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you now, there's a plot in the making right now to get the church out of the picture by getting her to bow to an image called liberalism, socialism, communism, and secular humanism. They want the church to preach a watered-down, powerless gospel of tolerance and acceptance, a gospel of, of compromise that, that uh, smooths over the truth because people in this day have itching ears and they want to hear what they want to hear and they don't want to hear the truth. But that gospel is never going to set anybody free and that's what the devil wants. I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. I always wanted to do that. 
<laughs> but you know, just like the devils knew those boys would never bow to the king's image, they also know no God-fearing, no Christ-centered church will ever do it either. And so they're trying to regulate the church through unjust laws and regulations that they know that she will never bow to. And that's how they're going to persecute the church. And that's how they're going to get her out of the picture. We better wake up and make up our minds right now that we're not going to bow no matter what. We have to be able to say like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that we are not careful to answer thee, O king. We already know our answer. We knew it before you persecuted us. We knew it before we got here before you. And we're sticking to it. Hallelujah. They did the same thing to Daniel a few chapters and a couple kings later. They got the new king of Babylon, King Darius, to sign a decree that if anyone petitioned or prayed to any other god besides his gods, that they should be thrown into the lion's den. That was Daniel's furnace. But that wasn't his test. His test was whether or not he would pray to their gods. They knew Daniel opened his window every day and prayed loudly to his God, and they knew he would not compromise because of any degree of the kings. So this way they would be able to accuse him before the king, and even though the king loved Daniel, he would have to honor his decree and throw him into the lion's den. But the same God that is able and is willing to deliver Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego and deliver us is the same God that delivered Daniel and kept the mouths of the lions shut all night and got him out of that den. He's able and he is willing. Hallelujah. So anyway, they set up this image of King Nebuchadnezzar in the plain of Dura. And the whole kingdom, including Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, is gathered there for this big celebration of the unveiling of the statue of the king. And the decree that the devil tricked the king into signing stated that when the music started playing, everyone was to face the image and bow down low. Not just bow down, but to bow down low. Yeah. And, and so the music starts playing and everyone bowed low to the image except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't bow. They stood up right, and they looked like the proverbial sore thumb. I mean, how many knows that when you take a stand for God and refuse to bow, you are going to stand out. Hallelujah. But sometimes you're going to have to stand up and stand out, and you can never dance to the devil's music. And when the governor, I mean the mayor, I mean King Nebuchadnezzar got the news that someone dared to defy his directive, the Bible says he was outraged. So he had them arrested and brought before the, the judge, I mean the king. And the king asked them, did you refuse to bow to this image, my image? And, and that's the question those pastors and that poor salon operator were asked when they stood before the judge. Do you refuse to apologize to me and bow to my directives, my guidelines, my laws? And they said, yes, we do. We refuse to bow to you. I will put you in jail. I don't care. I ain't bound to you. Amen. And that poor salon operator went to jail. I don't know. She was sentenced for at least seven days, but I don't know if she served the full thing before the governor of the state got her out of it. But the king offered them a chance to reconsider. 
So he said, listen, I know you didn't bow to my image when the music started playing, but I really like you guys, and I, and I really like Daniel, and so I don't want to throw you in the furnace if I don't have to. I, I'm going to give you another chance. Now, when the music starts playing again, if you'll bow down and worship my image, then all things, everything will be okay. And, and so he says, but if you don't, I'm going to have you all thrown into the furnace. And then he made a big mistake. He said, who is this God that shall deliver you out of my hands? I don't know who he is, but he ain't big enough and bad enough. And he's not able or willing to deliver you out of my hands. Well, you're about to find out, Mr. King. Who is this God? And you know, that's the problem with today's society. They don't know who this God is. The God that is not only able, but willing to deliver them out of the enemy's hands. And that's why there's so many religions and so many denominations and so many false gods in this world. Because people don't know who his, he is. Amen. Who is this God? And then in Daniel 11 and 32, chapter 11, verse 32. The king will, will use lies and smooth talking to trick those. This is in the ERV, the easy reader version. The king will use lies and smooth talking to trick those who quit following the holy agreement, the Bible, the church. And I'm telling you, I've been listening to these briefings and I've been listening to these devils and they are smooth talking and they're making everything sound like it's for our good and it's for our benefit. And, and, and they have an evil plot already established behind the scenes to take the church out of the picture. It says, so who quit following the Holy Agreement, the Bible... So they will sin even worse. He wants to get us to, to quit following God's word, quit reading the Bible, quit worshiping, quit following after God. And, and, and so we'll get into sin even worse. I don't know if you realize it or not, but if you go without your word for a while, if you go without prayer for a while, if you, go, you miss church for a while, you're going to find yourself sinning worse than you ever sinned before. Anyway, he says, so they'll sin even worse. But those who know their God and obey him will be strong and they will fight back. Hallelujah. Uh, King James said that they, they will be strong and they will do exploits for their God. Hallelujah. So that spirit that was back then is in the world today. And the devil is always trying to get you to bow to someone or something. He's always trying to get you to dance to his music. But we ain't dancing. I refuse to bow. I ain't bound to drugs, tobacco, sickness, disease. I ain't bound to no movie star, sports figure, especially no politician. I ain't bound to no job or financial dilemma. I ain't bound to no devil that denies my God or his word. And I certainly ain't going to bow to fear. Hallelujah. I will only bow my knee to the one and only true God. Hallelujah. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered without hesitation. Hear me, people, without hesitation. Why? Because they already knew the answer. There was nothing to think about. And the king said, now think about this a minute. I'm going to play the music one more time and give you another. I ain't got nothing to think about. My mind has been made up for a long Since I got saved, my mind has been made up. So we already know that we'll never compromise or bow to another God. Uh, 
They said, if you throw us in that furnace, our God, the one whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine king, uh, thine hand, O king. See, we have to know those two things. Our God is able and he is willing. He's always able. He's all powerful. And and he's willing. And that thing that they're trying to pull on us, it's going to take a flick of God's finger and that devil's going to be gone. It's not going to take his hand, his arm, or his foot. All we need is a flick. (coughs) Hallelujah. He says, but if you don't throw us in that furnace, be it known unto thee, O king, that we still ain't going to serve your gods or worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Either or, we don't care. Throw us in there. Man, the king got mad. He was hotter than that old furnace. He told his servants, he said, heat that furnace seven times hotter than normal. I guess that was going to be the new norm for the furnace, seven times hotter. And then he commanded some of his mightiest soldiers. He said, bind those boys up and throw them in there. And that furnace was so hot that when they threw him in there, that the flames came out and licked up them soldiers and killed all of them. That's how hot that furnace was. So then King Nebuchadnezzar looks into the furnace, and he couldn't believe his eyes. He got as close as he could without getting burnt himself. And when he did, he turned to his counselors that were there with him, and he said, Did we not see three men thrown into the fire? And they said, Yes, that's true, O king. And the king said, then why do I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire? And they don't have a burn mark on them. Not only that, but the fourth one looks like unto the Son of God. And the reason he looked like unto the Son of God, because he was the Son of God. Hallelujah. Jesus came down and got right in the midst of that burning fiery furnace with the three Hebrew boys. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So then King Nebuchadnezzar, (laughs) his attitude changed. He shouted into the furnace and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you servants of the Most High God. Notice he isn't saying, who is this God? Now he knows who he is. And I'm going to tell you something. Every atheist, every non-believer that ever died and left this earth now knows who that God is. But it's too late for them. It's not too late for you. The king and all those devils now know who that God is. And before he's saying, who is this God? Now the king's saying, you servants of the most high God. Come on out of that furnace. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the furnace. And the king and all his men checked them out and saw that the fire had no effect on them except that the only thing that got burned up was the ropes they were bound with. I'm telling you, it's a purifying fire and it will burn off all of your bondages. It will burn off the ropes and break the chains and the fetters. And and the, the, the Bible said there wasn't a singed hair on their head. Their clothes weren't burned. And they didn't even smell like smoke. That's our God. Hallelujah. You come uh, and you know, sometimes we have to go into the fire. Sometimes we have to be tried and tested. But but God says you'll come out on the other side praising me and not even smelling like smoke. Hallelujah. They went in the furnace, but didn't get burned. They went in the furnace, but they came out free. And the king saw four men in the fire, but only three came out. 
One preacher said the reason only three came out is because the fourth one stayed in there because he knew one day you and I would be thrown into that furnace and he'd be in there with us. Hallelujah. But here's the thing you have to know about the fire. <coughs> Excuse me. The only thing the fire did was burn the thing that had them bound. And I know the furnace is scary, but you have to go through your fire to get free sometimes. Peter said, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange was happening to you. You shouldn't be shocked when you're thrust into the furnace of affliction. You shouldn't be uh, all, all upset and uh, upside down over it because he said, don't even think it's strange. It's not strange for you to be tested in the fire. It's not strange for you to go in the furnace because you got something holding you back. Something's got you bound. And the only way you're going to get those bounds burned off is by going in the furnace. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In other words, he's saying you have to face your problem head on to get free. Don't expect God to do it all. But, but you don't have to worry because the fourth man is already in the fire. I'm going to tell you something. When I know that Jesus is in the fourth man and he's in the fire and he's waiting for me, I ain't going to resist going in the fire. I'm going in. I know I'll be safe. I know that the only thing going to get burned off of me is the things that's holding me back. Hallelujah. And some of you can't get free because you refuse to go in the furnace. You refuse to face your trial. You won't take the first step. You keep making excuses. I'll quit tomorrow. I'll start next week. I'll get around to it. I'm waiting for God to set me free. Well, I got news for you. God's waiting for you. <coughs> he wants to get you free. He wants those uh, bonds burned off of you. Quit looking for the easy way out. Just make up your mind. Pray to God and, and then put that weed down. Put that drink down, that computer, that addiction. Put that sin down once and for all. Get out of that fear and step into the furnace where you can be set free. Go through your trial. Quit trying to weasel out of it all the time. It's, it's a purifying fire that will not only uh, burn off the thing that has you bound, but it will set you free. Hallelujah. You know what happened because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to compromise? I'll tell you what happened. We're not going to turn there, but the king got saved. He went from who is this God to, oh, God most high of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He got saved, and after he got saved, he made another decree. He said every nation, every race, every language will worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's a decree. That's an order. And if you don't, you're going to get thrown in the fire. He said, there is no God that can deliver like their God. Hallelujah. It changed his whole countenance. I'm telling you, when you get saved, it gives you a new outlook on life. You begin to see things like you've never seen them before. Hallelujah. There's no God that can deliver like their God. So make a commitment today. Make a commitment that you're going to face whatever it is that has you bound. And don't wait for somebody to tell you. Don't wait for somebody to call you out. Don't wait for God to even call you out. Make a commitment yourself. Take the first step yourself. Go to God and just give it to him. Hallelujah. And it may not be easy. He may set you free just like that. 
But if he don't, you still have the promise that the fourth man's in the fire with you. He's going to see you through. He's going to get you out of it. And you may have to, you may have to pass through the fire, uh, but you won't get burned. Hallelujah. The fourth man is in the fire. He's willing and he's able to set you free. He wants to set you free. God loves setting people free. He hates slavery. He hates bondage. He wants you free. Hallelujah. You're not asking him for some great thing. You're just asking him to do something that he wants to do anyway. He hates to see you in bondage to anything. So let's get out of our bondages today. I don't know what, what yours is. I mean, I know we all have something. Maybe it's a TV program you keep watching. Maybe it's a, a thing on the phone that you can't put down. Maybe it's a, a, a habit like cigarettes or, or uh, wacky tobacco or drinking or anything. Uh, anything that would be considered bondage because you can't seem to quit it on yourself. That's what God is. He, he specializes in that. Hallelujah. It's like I said, my wife and I quit smoking several times, many times. I can't even count all the times. And I always went back seven times harder than the time before until we gave it to God. Yes. Now, we still had to bite the bullet and go through it. We had to go in the furnace. But God set us free because that was, we were free indeed. Yes. And, and when we laid them cigarettes down at God's feet, we never picked another one up. And I did the same thing for drinking. I did the same thing for other things. If you give it to God, he'll set you free. He is no respecter of persons. He won't do it for me and not do it for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you glory and honor. We love you so much, Lord. We know that you love us. You proved it by sending your only son into the world to die for us. So, Lord, we thank you for your wonderful promises in the word. We thank you, Lord, that you are willing and able to deliver us and set us free. So, Lord, I don't know what everybody's problem is. I just know my problem. And, Lord, I know that you can set me free from anything that I ask you to. And you, you will do the same for everybody else. So, God, everyone here that's in a bondage that's willing and ask you, I know that you will meet them in the fire and you'll get them through. They'll come out the other side free, hallelujah, free indeed, and they won't even smell a smoke. So we thank you and we praise you, Lord. I pray over this congregation. I thank God for each and every one of them. I thank you for your bravery. Uh, I can happily say that we didn't experience the same thing that other churches experienced when they opened up. Our people showed up, and they ain't afraid. Hallelujah. So we thank God for you. We thank you for your offerings and, and your support of this church through these eight-some weeks or whatever it is. Uh, you never fell behind. You never turned your back on us. You were right there. We never missed a bill, a bill paying a bill or anything. And, and we're strong as we've ever been right now. So we thank you and we praise you for that. And I declare that God will bless you for what you've sown. You will reap a harvest in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, thank you for joining us on Facebook Live this morning. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.